Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 real quick before we get into our study of 2 Corinthians 6. Great testimonies. God is so good. 2 Corinthians 1, why does God allow certain things? I mean, people ask that. Why me? Why me? When really, a better question would be, why not me? Why not me? You're with me. You're with me. You've got a plan, and your word says you work all things together for the good. Well, in 2 Corinthians 1, I encourage you to memorize these verses. These are some life verses for Claudia and myself. Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Not some comfort, not a little bit of comfort, all comfort. And how does that comfort come? Who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. How does the comfort come? What's another word? Who shouted out if you know it? What's another name for the Holy Spirit? Comforter. Comforter. He's the comforter. So instead of turning the southern comfort or some other issue or, or addiction, we need to get addicted to Jesus, addicted to his word, and trust in the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit has a plan, who comforts us in all our tribulation, whatever that might look like, especially in the coming months, that we, the believer, he's writing to the believers here in Corinth, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. You see, when we go through certain things, it opens doors that won't be open to other people. And these are two examples. Um, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. Next month, she'll be five, months, five years clean. Uh, six years ago, she was diagnosed. Yes. Amen. Not everyone survives. Some people go home to be with Jesus. Yeah, I prefer that. But, you know, she's still here. I've never had cancer. So when we're around people and cancer comes up, she immediately speaks up and can identify with that person. If I started to speak up, they'd be like, have you ever had cancer? Uh, no. Well, what do you know? Okay, I got it. So as we go through life, whatever it might be, a bankruptcy, uh, whatever it might be, be available for Jesus. Because God needs his hands and his feet in all of these places, doctors, nurses, technicians, need Jesus, guys. They all need Jesus. So he opens doors so that we might comfort those who are in any trouble, the believer or the unbeliever, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So if we allow God to comfort us, he will, And then we can turn around and comfort someone else, but we don't say, well, it's my comfort I'm giving to you. No, this is what God did for me. These are some verses that God gave to me. And this is how God comforted me. I pray that this encourages you and might comfort you. And you get to point people to Jesus, whether they're a believer or an unbeliever. So nothing is wasted in God's economy, nothing. And sometimes we look at it like, well, God cut that person's life short. Psalm, please read Psalm 139. God knows the number of our days. 
God knows the number of our days. Not happen chance. God calls us home when every single one of us are going to be called home the very second and not a second early and not a second later. So just put your life in the hands of God. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Thank you, ladies, for coming up and doing that. Great testimonies. What a blessing. If you're new or visiting, we work our way through a Bible, uh, through the Bible. And so we find ourselves in 2 Corinthians. Uh, we're halfway through chapter 6. We'll go all the way through the book. And then I think we're going to jump to Revelation. But we'll see how that goes. For this morning... Uh, we're at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. O Corinthians. Now, is he speaking to all the Corinthians? Who is Paul addressing via the Holy Spirit? O believers. So we could say, O believers. An unbeliever does not understand how we could have peace in the midst of cancer or some other trial. They, they just don't get that. We get it. We can understand as believers when Lori comes up and said she had peace. I, I could totally understand that because I'm a believer and I know the Holy Spirit's in her life, in our lives, so I could totally get it. The unbeliever just kind of shakes her head and goes, what's the matter with you? You're a religious nut. No, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. So Paul says very importantly, O believers, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. I would encourage you to highlight that, underline it, bold it, whatever you want to do. But I have this highlighted, verse 12. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children. And remember, Paul considers these saints his spiritual children, not biological children. And he's not putting them down, oh, you're just a little kid. He's, he's referencing that relationship, that relationship, that intimate relationship. I know you, you know me, I'm your spiritual dad, you're my spiritual kids. Let's make sure we understand each other, the love that we have for one another. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Father, we thank you for your word, and we just continue in our worship of you through your word. We thank you, Lord, for those praise reports, and I'm sure there's many others available amongst us. What a blessing, Lord. You're still in the business of doing miracles. And why? So that we might comfort, find comfort via your Holy Spirit, so that we might comfort others and point others to the saving knowledge of Jesus being the Christ. Because we all know we're going to die of something sooner or later. So, Father, we just thank you and praise you. Use our testimony to water, to plant, to fertilize. And, Lord, if it's your will to pray with someone to receive Jesus, even this morning, Lord, if there's an unbeliever in our midst, we pray that they would come up this morning and receive Jesus as their Savior after the service. You love them. Your son died for them. I know you want a relationship with them. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul shares an Interesting principle here. Here is a principle. So as you read your Bible, you want to look for principles. The Bible is very applicable, very relatable, very relevant, restricted. The word restricted there, it means to hem in closely, to hem in closely, to be in a narrow place. To be. Now notice verse 12, you are not restricted by us. 
to hem in closely to be in a narrow place. It's interesting that when you feel like you're down in a valley, and I think this can happen to any one of us at any time during the day, if you go out and minister to someone else, and I greatly encourage you to do this, if you battle with depression, if you deal with depression, it's, it's very real. It is very real. If you're dealing with substance abuse, if you're dealing with these issues, seek counsel. Seek biblical counsel. And as you get biblical counsel and as you get mentored, you want to minister to someone else. When you minister to someone else, your eyes are now off of yourself and they're on another person. You'll end up feeling like you're on top of a mountain. Because that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to focus on, take your fingers, I've done this before, take your fingers, do me a favor, pacify me or whatever the word's called. Make a little diamond with your four fingers. Everybody got it? Now put that diamond right up to your eyeball. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We're all doing it so you all look weird. Now look down at the floor. What do you see? You, you, what, you don't see a whole lot, right? Keep your fingers together. You see, guys, that's what the enemy wants to do in our lives. He wants you to focus on that one little thing. And I'm not saying that cancer is little, but in the scope of eternity, it's pretty little. We're going to get our brand new body forever. And he wants you to focus on that one little thing. Now keep your fingers together. Your fingers together. Might have been together this whole time. Don't be afraid. Now open them up. And now put them up to your eyeball. Oh my, look at everything that I see. You see, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants us to get so focused on one little thing that we forget the big picture. We're going to heaven. On our worst day, we're still going to heaven. Keep the big picture. Minister to someone else. You see, Paul, he's not hanging out in the valley of despair or depression. And you read what he's gone through? He could live in that valley. Quite easily, he could have lived in that valley. Because he has been ministering to the Corinthians as well as to others. It is the Corinthians who are feeling hemmed in due to their own fleshly desires. And remember what they were doing in 1 Corinthians? Having sex outside of marriage, getting drunk at their agape feast, backbiting each other. Not that that happens at all anymore. Backbiting each other, causing division in the body of Christ, taking each other to court. Just a few things. They were restricting themselves. Not God, not Paul, not religion, which religion will do that, by the way. So Paul encourages them to reach out, minister to someone else, get your eyes off yourself. Paul has opened his heart to them and he's encouraging them to open their hearts to others. You see, this is such a vital principle that works. I can guarantee you it will work. But you have to surrender. I have to surrender. And if I do... It's worked every single time in my life, in my wife's life, and, and anybody that I've talked to. It's worked. You get your eyes off yourself, you minister to, somebody, minister to someone else. But so few grasp it, unfortunately. So few people grasp it, and then even fewer people implement it. It's like, no, 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 that won't work. You know, woe is me. I used to walk, work across the, we had cubicles. I used to work across the cubicle from Eeyore. 
it didn't matter what happened in his life. He got a raise, it wasn't big enough. He got a car, it wasn't fast enough. This said the other thing. And I had a relationship with him. I, I talked to him because he said he was a Christian. And, you know, we had some healthy discussions, some intense fellowship, kicking him in the pants. Come on, Eeyore, what's the matter with you? If you want to be Eeyore, you can be Eeyore. You can stick in there. You can stay there. But you're of no benefit to anybody. Matter of fact, most people didn't even want to be around him, which is a very sad commentary to being a Christian. When people don't want to be around you because you're, you're so depressing all the time. Verses 14 and 15. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 6.14. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Paul asks a very simple question. Another question. And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever. So Paul then takes this principle and applies yet another principle on top of the previous principle. Even in ministry, be careful who you have intimate fellowship with. Be careful, even in ministry, who you have intimate fellowship with. You know, maybe Paul went back to the law for this practical teaching on the yoke. And we find it referenced in Deuteronomy 22.10. Just, and that's why I encourage you to read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation every single day, even as I do on junior high night, Wednesday night, as I do to the junior hires. Read your Bible every single day. Because here's a, a little verse. Just a little verse. Not many words there. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. And you just blow right past that, right? Well, I don't plow, I don't have an ox, I don't have a donkey. Takes care of that. Okay, next. I mean, it seems like such a minor thing. It's only one verse, yet from God, it's a very important principle. With a farmer, you might have a yoke that is placed over the neck of two animals. Typically, you have the lead ox and then a younger, less experienced ox that supports the lead ox. But in Deuteronomy, there are two different animals. Now, as I mention these things, a good rabbi would use physical analogies to teach a spiritual principle. That's still a principle to this very day. And I know you guys do it yourselves at times. You'll learn somebody's occupation, and then you'll say something about their occupation. Well, that's just like a, and you use an analogy. That's what Paul is doing. That's what the Word of God does. So as I read this, Here's an, there's physical analogies that you and I apply or can apply the spiritual principle. You see, there's two different animals with two different temperaments. And in our text this morning is dealing with believers and unbelievers. Okay? So keep that in mind as I go over this. And as a farmer, you're trying to plow a field, break up the hard ground for planting purposes. There's a crop that needs to get in the ground so that there might be a harvest. Yet with the different animals placed under the same yoke, you might have one that is willing to work and one that is not. You have the ox and you have the donkey. One wants to go in one direction and the other wants to go in the other direction. There's going to be frustration for the farmer as well as for the animals. 
And I think we can see why Paul is using this analogy with the Corinthians here, especially in the context of the ministry. Especially in the context of the ministry. Don't get into an intimate partnership with unbelievers. This is what I believe these scriptures are teaching us. You see, as we shared with our children when they were growing up and starting to choose friends, we encourage them, be careful of the friends you hang with because this will happen. You will influence them or they will influence you. I guaranteed them, if nothing else, that is going to happen. And as we're looking at our text this morning, we want to keep that in our minds. You see, there is influence that takes place within any intimate relationship with believers or with me as a believer, with an unbeliever. If I have an intimate relationship with them, there's an influence that is taking place. I'm either influencing them towards the ways of God or they're going to influence me toward the ways of the world. And it might not be drastic, hey, we're going to go out and steal. It could be very, very subtle. Just very, very subtle. You know, if you start in San Diego or L.A. and you're going on a cruise to Hawaii, if you're off one degree, Hawaii does not exist. By the time you travel the distance, you will not see Hawaii. You'll look to the person next to you and say, you lied to me, there is no Hawaii. No, Hawaii's there. You were only off one degree. And you didn't notice when you were leaving San Diego or L.A. But when you go that distance, Hawaii doesn't exist. And that's the same way in our lives. When we go with fellowship, have intimate fellowship with unbelievers, and they get us off just one degree, a month goes by, six months goes by, a year, five years goes by, and all of a sudden we're going, wait a minute, how did I get here? They're such a nice person. There's a lot of nice people going to hell, by the way. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're not getting to heaven because you're a nice person. The Bible says there's no one good, no, not one. So be careful what you do with that word good. So again, don't get into an intimate partnership with unbelievers. You see, when you become equally yoked, you're committed to one another. Now that influence could lead you down a road that you never wanted to go down, as I just explained. And as believers, we're not called to have intimate fellowship with unbelievers because God is trying to keep us safe. Now don't shut down. If you have an intimate relationship with an unbeliever, don't shut down. Hear the rest of the verses here. To guard us from that possible negative influence. Hang in there. We're going to cover more information. Because does that mean that I should only hang out with Christians? Well, again... When you read the whole word of God, you'll find the answer and then you'll need to seek out balance. You will find the answers and then you need to seek out balance in your walk, in your Christian walk. You see, Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Because again, when you come across verses like this and you start to go, well, yeah, but what about? Well, then you want to cross-reference your Bible. And start looking up other verses. Because the Bible will explain itself. Let the Bible teach you. And then seek counsel and mentorship. Prayer. People that have been there, done that. Christians I'm talking about. And listen to their counsel as they take you back to the word of God. 1 Corinthians 5.9 I wrote to you in my epistle 
not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Notice this is 1 Corinthians. Paul wrote a previous epistle that was not saved. God did not want it in the word of God. So really this would have been 2 Corinthians and then we'd be studying 3 Corinthians. But God saw fit, the Holy Spirit saw fit. No, we're not putting that in there. It's lost. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. But notice he wrote, what did he say? Not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Don't hang out with them. Don't have intimate fellowship. Now, guys, I'm talking about intimate fellowship where you are yoked with them. You're hanging with them. You're associating with them. Hey, you're my friend. I condone what you're doing. Be very, very careful with that. Yet, I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. So what's Paul saying? You have to rub elbows with people. If you don't want to rub elbows with people, you're going to have to become a monk and go to a monastery someplace by yourself. You're going to have to go out of the world. No, we have to be in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. And that's what these verses are trying to teach us. But Paul goes on to make a very good point here via the Holy Spirit. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother or sister who is is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Wow, that's hard. That's hard. Been there and we've done it. And it's very hard. But we have to follow the word of God. So as we go over verses, you have to find the balance in your life. Justify it in your mind. Well, how do I treat so-and-so? They're a family member. How do I go to this event? It's a family event. How do I do this? How do I do that? You pray, you seek the word of God, and you remember that you have a testimony. And your testimony is going to influence people. So certain people are going to say, oh, look at that. He's a Christian, and he's at the bar with everybody else enjoying, I think he's got a beer. Oh, and, and what's that girl doing, dancing? Guys, I'm just talking about real-life experiences that I've had to deal with at Motorola. Was at Motorola. One time they came around with an envelope for a collection for a retirement party, which was not uncommon. You know, slip in whatever you want. You used to have cash. I don't know if anybody has cash anymore. But we actually used to have those little rectangle things that were worth something, not worth anything anymore. But we'd slip something in the envelope, you know, 10, 20, whatever you want to slip in. And I would always ask, well, what's this going for? And the person that was passing the envelope got real quiet. Because usually it would go, you know, something. You know, we're getting my gift card or something like that. Uh, well, we're having a well, we're having, I don't know what they said, so I'm just going to make some. But basically it was this. Well, we're having an exotic dancer come to the party. And I just handed him the envelope. I said, no, thank you. I don't participate in that. I didn't blast him. Didn't grab my Bible and start beating him over the head. I just let my Christian walk, follow my Christian talk. And I think one little example of, oh, great. Hey, you know, I'm going to put 40 bucks in. Give her a tip. That's a great idea. What would they just have been saying about Christianity? That, that we're okay with that. 
Now, sometimes I know we don't have an option. I understand it. Get the bigger picture. Again, don't get, oh, the pastor's talking like this. No, the pastor's talking like this. Okay, get the big picture. You have to pray. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. You see, we have an issue is defined for us. It's defined for us. We can't say, well, you know, that was first century. Well, no, we're in the ministry. How can I offer reconciliation to someone when I'm eating and drinking with a drunk? How can I offer them reconciliation? They don't see any difference in me. Well, you're drinking and I'm drinking. So why do I need to be reconciled? I'm okay. You're okay. What's the problem here? I know I shouldn't go, but what am I going to do? Or I'm in the school system and some of my friends want to go out after the football game and do some things that I know are wrong. I may have to go to the store for an acquaintance. But that doesn't mean I have to go down the alcohol or magazine aisle to stop and meditate on whether or not to buy something. You see, it's all about intimate fellowship versus passing through this world. I was ministering to someone sometime, one time and, who was having an issue with alcohol. And I just asked him straight up, and he was honest enough to tell me. I said, do you find yourself going down the alcohol aisle often? <laughs> Could I recommend you pick a different aisle? I think that might help solve your problem. Oh, I can handle it. No, you can't. You're admitting you can't. So guard yourself. It's between you and God. It's between you and God. You have to evaluate. Very important, though, that you do evaluate it. How can I, you know, if I'm eating and drinking with someone who's living in fornication, how can I encourage them and strengthen them not to do that? You see, as Christians, we have to participate in some degree with the ways of the world. But we're not to be in intimate fellowship with the world nor with a person that is called a brother or a sister. Now, I know there's some people that say, well, I'm not a Christian, so they can have intimate fellowship with them. It's between you and God. I personally don't know. I'll talk to them. I'll love them. I'm not going to sit down and break bread with them and have intimate fellowship with them. When they are living in willful disobedience to the word of God. Our children know this. Like I said, I've been down this road. It's very hard. It, it hurts. And I've told our grandkids, be careful of the decisions that you make. I love you enough to sever a relationship if I have to. I'm not compromising Jesus. And I encourage you to get to that place where you decide what's best for you and what the word of God says to do so that you stand up for the word of God in this wicked world. Wicked world. It's just crazy. How about 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12? It says this, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, what is Peter saying? We're only passing through. I said this a couple weeks ago, and I know some of you took it as a shock. My dad lived to be 100 years old, but he's dead. I don't mean that to be a shock. I mean that to be just reality. He's been dead four years. 100 years old. Can you imagine 100 years old? He was born on the farm. No running water, no indoor plumbing, no electricity. He had to use horses to do all the farming. He got out of school at, after eighth grade. You know, here's the woe is me. I walked to school both ways in the snow in the middle of summer. It was still snowing. You know, that, that was his life. Lived through a depression, lived through World War II, got his foot damaged during World War II, lived through recessions, lived through presidents that didn't know what they were doing. Same thing as today. It's amazing. 100 years gone. 
How long are you going to live for? It's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. We're just passing through. Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, among the unbelievers, that when they speak against you as evildoers, this is first century, guys, when Christians were getting their heads lopped off. Christians were getting fed to the lions. Christians were getting impaled on stakes, dipped in wax and lit on fire in the first century. And Peter's saying, pray for them. Love those guys. That when they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. There will come a day where they will glorify God because of your testimony. They might not come to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. A lot of verses. Hebrews chapter 11. They might not receive Jesus as their Savior. But when they stand before God on judgment day, they will have no excuse. Yeah, that knucklehead told me that God loved me and I just didn't listen. I didn't agree with them. You see, that's for you and I, guys, as believers, to love people wherever they're at, but not necessarily having to accept their lifestyle, condone their lifestyle, or be told, you have to endorse my lifestyle, which is happening today. Not only today do you have to acknowledge someone's lifestyle, you are told you have to endorse it or else you will lose your job. Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, which is the land of Israel today, as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of that same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Heaven, guys, heaven. He was just passing through. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. God, if you promise it, I believe it. I don't, I don't even have a cycle anymore. You want to do that? Okay, it'll happen. Therefore, when from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Guys, what's our promise? Our promise is heaven. And right now it seems so far away. But it just takes one second for your heart to stop. And you're done. You're gone. So it's not that far away. So we're to keep our eyes on eternity. Register to vote. Vote. But keep your eyes on eternity. Do your due diligence. But keep your eyes on eternity. Notice here, they were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We're going to trust in God. And I know this is going to hurt you, but I have to trust in God. And it will hurt people. Not intentionally. We're not intentionally trying to do that but it's called tough love. It's called the love of Christ, which is not comfortable at times. 
For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, oh, I just miss California. Really? I love seeing it in the rearview mirror personally. (laughs) Visited our parents many times, and I'm not going back unless God tells me to. But that's the point. You know, where did you come from? Oh, I remember when I had so much fun drinking and doing all those things. Really? Are you sure you remember? I don't think you remember. You don't remember the puke, the vomit. You don't remember the hangover. You don't remember the hurt relationships. No, you're not remembering anything right. But now they desired a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. And that's not Jerusalem, guys. That city is heaven itself, where you can get the exact measurements in chapter 21 of Revelation. You see, there are aspects of this principle which would include the world of business partners, as we look back in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. There is a temptation to abuse the tax system, and the world would not have a problem with that. But as Christians, we should have a big problem with that. You see, we are to be the light of the world, which means we need to abide by the laws of the land to the best of our abilities. Now, we can't always tell what our companies, we can't tell what them to do. I'm ta- this is talking about intimate relationships with you and I. With you and I. Because I know there's lots of things that happen in our corporations that I have no control over. So maybe I shouldn't work there. Well, pray to God. Maybe you shouldn't. That's between God and you. Again, you've got to find the balance. You have to find out, why does God have me here? Is it because I want more money and that's the only reason why I'm here? I'm not ministering. I'm not planting. I'm not watering. I'm not fertilizing. After hours, during lunch, not during hours. But I'm not being a Christian witness. Why am I here anyways? Maybe you need to do some self-evaluation. How about applying this principle to dating? You probably heard of missionary dating. Well, you know, they're an unbeliever, but I I know I'll be able to win them to Christ because they say they love me, and I love them. But after the wedding, the true character of the person comes out, and then there's a life of trials and tribulations. You see, light and darkness cannot dwell together, whether in business, marriage, or the many other aspects of having relationships. We as Christians are heading in one direction and the world is heading in another. Any dead fish can float downstream. We're swimming against the tide and we're getting slapped with a lot of stuff. That's why the Holy Spirit tells us through Paul to not become yoked with unbelievers. Now, if you're married and you're married to an unbeliever, this is not a study on how to become single. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7. Again, you just need the cross-reference scriptures. And you want to remember, when they were getting the gospel, guys, they didn't have all the scriptures that we have. They had the Old Testament. Most of them didn't even have the Old Testament. The Old Testament was with the Jews, not the Gentiles. So for you and I, we can kind of look at this and go, well, this is kind of simple stuff. I mean, why didn't they know this stuff? They didn't know this stuff because they didn't have the scriptures. So as we read the scriptures, maybe for the 5th or 10th or 20th time, we go, oh, I know this. But as you read it, you want to put yourself back in their sandals. And it helps you now to bring it into our life. 
Now to the married, I command you not I, but the Lord. So this is, Paul's not saying the Lord doesn't command this. He's just saying the Lord Jesus didn't say these things. I'm saying these things. A wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, and I believe these verses, and I want to argue with you, I just believe these verses give a woman an out because a woman is a weaker vessel. <gasps> How could you say that? It's so chauvinistic. Read your Bible. The woman is a weaker vessel. Get over it. It's not a bad thing. We're co-equal in Christ. I can show you plenty of verses. We're co-equal in Christ. Women are relationship-orientated. Men were task-orientated as a whole. You, know, you, you tell a guy to give, a, give him a task, he'll say, get out of my way and I'll get it done. A woman, give her a task. Well, yeah, but let's, let's talk about it. I don't want to talk. I want to get it done. Oh, you, you don't care, do you? I care. I want to get it done so I can go lay down. <laughs> We're just different. Can I give you an example of a weaker vessel? Okay, here's something for you to think about, pray about. And this is real. Sorry for being real with you, but this is real. No, I'm not sorry for being real with you. This is just real. So, call comes in. A woman is sitting there. She's bruised. She's bleeding. She called the police. The police show up. They hear the story. They arrest the husband. Now think big. What typically does the woman do? And this is just reality, in case you're not aware of it. All of a sudden, the wife will be going, no, no, I didn't want him arrested. No, no, don't do that. No, no. Cops look at her like, what's the matter with you? Have you seen yourself in the last 30 minutes? Relationship orientated. That's why I look at the weaker vessel. Sometimes we can be so intimate, tied with a relationship that we don't see the obvious problem. Where a lot of times guys can step back and go, you know what? This isn't flying in this house anymore. And mama's going, but that's my little baby. He's not a little baby. He's 16 years old. He's 17. He's 30. He's 40. He's not your baby. I hope that makes sense. It's not a put down. It's just reality. God designed this difference. Because then some guys will go, you know what? Just get him out of the way. And the wife says, you know what? You're too hard. Would you love the kid a little bit? Oh, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry, I was so focused on the task, I forgot about the love part. We need each other. That's the bottom line. We need each other. Balance. If you need Jesus, come up and receive Jesus as your Savior this morning. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit Calvary Queen Creek dot org.